What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Elevate Experience. The podcast about overcoming struggles and adversity and how that relates to addiction, recovery, and health. I am your host and the CEO of Elevate Addiction Services, Angie Manson. And I'm Dallas Terrell, co-host and life intervention counselor at Elevate. Thank you so much for joining us, and let's jump right in. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. We have a special guest today, Aline Urkumian. I've practiced saying her name because it was difficult for me, but welcome to the show, Aline. We are so glad to have you on the show and and kind of dive into your life and all that good stuff. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Of course. So kind of like we were talking about earlier, we definitely want to get into your battle with addiction. There's definitely some cool points in there that we've talked about that I'm super interested in. I think the audience will love to hear about those things that we'll get into later. And did you have anything else on that? No, I mean, I think we just have to jump into, well, why are you here speaking about addiction? That's the story is the story. Uh, and then like we can that. talk about the cool things that you're doing to maintain your sobriety and all that stuff. Fantastic. Yeah, it's I'm here because why else did I survive everything else I did if I'm not here to share it? True. And make an impact at least if I can on one person. Um, how I've stayed sober. It's, I think it's a personal formula for everyone, but for me, it's, you know, putting myself first and, you know, I think in society it's mostly seen as selfish, but I think we need to be a little bit selfish and that's something that's not really, um, valued enough. I do a lot of, um, we hear the word self-care, self-love, but really what to me that is, is, you know, um, cutting out all the, all the BS in life and just, you know, getting into diving deep into who I am and what I love and, and really understanding, really understanding that. So, you know, it's fine for me, it's finding the balance and everything. And so when I think of addiction, I think of, you know, um, do we all have addictive personalities? I think on a spectrum, we all do. It is a spectrum at the end of the day, like where we all fall. And I hear a lot about how channel, take that addiction and channel it into an, into something else that's healthy. So fitness, but I think channeling it into something else and then diving into what it, your personal addiction is and where it's coming from and what it's rooted in is more important. So that to help create the balance, because you don't want to be fully overly addicted to something else, because at the end of the day, it's still a characteristic that isn't healthy. Um, so let's take that and rewind it a bit. Like when and uh, how did your addiction, we'll, we'll just call it to substance abuse, because, you yeah. know, it wasn't a healthy kind of addiction. When did that begin for you or when did you realize you had a pro problem? Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, when I started, when I realized I had a problem, were two different phases. Okay. <laughs> for sure. Um, I started using when I was 14 and I was, you know, my, my parents, I, I was, I was a brat. Like I didn't know the value of money. I didn't understand what it was. I just wanted stuff. And yeah. as a kid, I was like, oh, it's just given to me. So I'm going to just keep asking. And my parents gave, and then I, developed this love for shoes <laughs> high-end shoes and my mom was like no she cannot wear designer shoes at her age like that's just ridiculous and um you know my dad came from a third world country and he just wanted to give us you know the intention was good yeah, wanted yeah, to yeah. give us something that he didn't have but um you know, how do you manage that? And my mom was just like, no, this doesn't make sense. So they weren't on the same page there. But um, <laughs> so they were like, you want expensive shoes? You can get your expensive shoes, but you need to get a job. So I got a job. And when you're 14 or I had just turned 15, I had been, ex you're exposed. I was exposed to people who are older and more experienced and more mature and into drugs. And, you know, you only learn so much in school and through your parents about it. And you don't know how to manage, you know, a good sales pitch. So, true. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I had started quite early. So one day my supervisor wanted to leave early and go into a rave to go do his thing. I didn't know what a rave was. And then he was like, he explained what it was. 
then he said, you know, in exchange for working my shift, I'll give you a couple sheets of acid. And I was like, well, what's that? Like, I had never heard of acid before mm -hmm. here. Back then, I think the focus was really on like, don't smoke weed, don't do this. And that's really what the no's were around in the 90s, early 2000s. Or, and um, so I took it. And then when I got home, I, I took like two or three taps, not knowing like what it would do. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was pretty intense. And, you know, that was pretty much my gateway into like exploring more. Wasn't really addicted to it, but it was like, this is fun. And I didn't die. But so wow. now what? Wow. What and, an experience to first have. Yeah, by yourself on hits LSD. Of acid. <laughs> <laughs> With no idea of what you're getting yourself into. That's not like having a couple beers, you know? <laughs> No, and it was really in. I mean, and you can feel it all. It was, you know, your mind opens up, your heart opens, everything opens up in this different way that you've never experienced. And so I liked it. And then was exposed to like all kinds of stuff. And I was supposed to get like an ecstasy drop, I think, one day. And then I, you know, someone that I was working with was like, why don't you try meth? And I was like, okay, I don't know what it is, but okay. <laughs> tried it and then i was immediately addicted um to the rush the feelings like all this stuff that i felt which you know to put into words was this feeling of empowerment and you know as a kid i don't know how to understand what that meant i just knew i loved it and i craved yeah. it more so everything after that became chasing that first high which you know never happened again but um, then I really used it because it was this superpower drug. I became a superwoman, really. Mm -hmm. I was, I was juggling my life and that was what back then, I don't even know what it is like today, but you have seven classes, seven classes to juggle all these different reports. Um, you have your family, you have, I had my work, which I needed to maintain straight A's if I wanted to continue to work. Um, I had church. So I was going to Sunday school. I had an Armenian community. I had sports. I was swimming competitively and somewhere, I don't know where I got it from. I thought I had to be perfect in all of it. And there just wasn't enough hours in the day. And, you know, being on math and getting high all the time gave me that power to stay awake and not sleep, which is ridiculous because that's not what we're meant to do. Right, right, right. And you know, if I think about, did someone actually tell me I had to do all this? No, I don't even know where it came from, but I guess, you know, a society created it and just became, and, um, I, I didn't know how else to manage all those things and be the perfect, what I thought was important to be perfect later on. Of course, I've learned that progress is more valuable, but, um, and that's pretty much how I got hooked. And then it became, um a weight thing i was never really uh, you know complimented on my exterior look i just was always complimented on all the important stuff which are very valuable my aptitude my intelligence my skills yeah, yeah. Uh, my personality my character but you know i never got the aesthetic compliments like everyone else did and so when i started losing weight i did start getting compliments and it felt nice mm -hmm. for once and mm -hmm. so it was like oh i like i like this um my body type is not meant to be under 100 pounds i don't think anyone's is yeah but, right yeah. i don't think anyone's is that's light like as a teenager for sure but um i got there and then you know i used for it wasn't until i was 17 until my parents figured out something's going on but it wasn't even them you know, I think parents are really blinded by like, there's no way my kid would do something or yeah. And they didn't really grow up with this kind of stuff in the countries they came from. So yeah, especially if they didn't have that in their own past, like when you're a parent and you've been an addict, you're always looking for it. But when you have a parent who never went through that, they, they have no idea. No idea at all. And so I think one day my aunt came over and my hands started like shaking when I was having a conversation. And um, she pointed it out and I was like, oh shit, I just got outed. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. now what's gonna happen? Um, next day, my mom was like, I'm taking you for a drug test. And you know, we got into an argument, of course. I was like, I'm not going for a drug test. She's like, well, you lost a lot of weight. 
thinking like in my mind i'm like i mean i've been this size for a little bit now like why are you just now catching on <laughs> well okay and um i was like yeah it's just diet pills you know every lie in the book to get out of it and um she took me to go get my test and that's when they found out that um i was using all kinds of stuff so it was you know a shitty experience as a kid because it's the focus is on um the problem the problem being uh my kid's a drug addict how do we fix it rather than the reason why or what's going on behind it right so therapy did some of the na classes and i just i wasn't present in it i didn't care i just wanted to continue using and i was like whatever i'll do what they want me to do because i have to but i'm still gonna do me but um and then they 17. So that was high school. That's when they sent me to the wilderness program after like therapy and everything, nothing worked. And, um, where did you go? So, uh, where was the wilderness program at Utah? Yeah. Utah. Yeah. It was Utah. It's the hub of <laughs> wilderness programs out there. Been achievement Academy. Um, and part of the process is they k- kidnap you in your sleep. Yeah. And then that was my follow up question. Yeah, so but my father argued and said that he would he would only send me and agree to all the terms if he could do it himself. Love he that. Didn't agree. Didn't agree because <laughs> his his thing was, you know, I'm sending her to get help, not create more trauma. And um so he, they agreed, but everyone else in that program was kidnapped by a complete stranger, which is insane. Yeah, in the middle now. of the night in their own home. Uh-huh. That's crazy. Yeah. They do that. That's traumatizing. Yeah. You know what's crazy too is, so I've been a counselor for the last seven years, one-on-one, and I can can think of 15 people right now off the top of my head that when we trace back the the most like traumatizing point of their life, it's that moment. Wow. Yeah. So it's funny that you say that because, I mean, I've done – every type of therapy, the inner child work, the hypnosis stuff, I've done it all. And there was a part of me that was still somehow connected to that time. And I couldn't figure it out until two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I went back to you. I was like, I'm going back to the place and I need to figure out what it is. And I said, I think I just need to kind of like feel it through. Yeah. So I went and for me, it was the drive. So from like Salt Lake city airport to the town of Loa and it was, all the feelings of like it, it's insane how real the feelings are in the moment but mm-hmm. and then you know of course crying you know it's the fear of abandonment where am i going um like i'm not worthy enough to be a part of my family and being sent out here to the middle of the desert like you have they don't tell you where you're going or what you're doing you know it was scary and as a kid also you don't know what all these non-disclosure agreements and all these liability paperwork is because your parents do it for you so when i sat there to read all this paperwork and sign sign off on them you know there's a clause that says you could potentially die and i was like do my parents know that i'm signing this and yeah. they were like they signed one too and what do you care you were killing yourself anyways and i was like that was their attitude around it yeah and that I was, was the like, admissions that, process <laughs> that was the admissions process Jeez, and i was like that that wasn't actually my intent i maybe is the fact like yes drugs can eventually kill you over time but the intent wasn't to kill myself right the intent was to create you know, a super woman version of myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, and so that was part of it that had stuck with me too. Like my parents sent me here to die. Yeah. And, you know, when I had the conversation as an adult with my parents, they're like, we sent you there because we knew you would fix yourself. Like we knew you'd survive it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, near death experiences. Hell yes. I mean, it was insane. Yeah. Can Uh, you tell us a little bit about like what you were doing, how long you were there? Sure. Um, I was there for, I want to say it was roughly almost three months. I actually have all my notebooks because um, they make you, you have to journal everything. Um, And part of the program is um, because I was skipping class so much. So part of the program is getting you back up to speed with your grades that you can make graduation. Right. Like school. uh-huh and um the other the there are just so many components to it so it's broken up into phases animal phases so there's mouse coyote buffalo and eagle 
and um, you kind of graduate to each each one throughout the program. So the first three days, you're what they call a mouse. And so they, after you've been kidnapped in your sleep and sent into Utah and go through this stressful admissions process, they take you again on another drive. You have no idea where you're going. It's like pitch dark, no lights. I'm like, where are we going? At this point, I'm like, I'm, I have no clue. Like there was no facts. I was like, I don't even know what's out here. And so they drop you off at this campsite and they tell you that you can't talk to anyone. They hand you a bag of granola and the bag of granola is supposed to last you three days. So wow. um, it was intense. And uh, the part of the mouse face is to observe the group and see how they function without you. Um, and you can't talk to anyone. And the th- on the third day, on the f- morning of the fourth day, they kidnap you. <laughs> in your sleep they blindfold you um they blindfold you they pick you up and it's what they call a trust exercise and um they take you down an extremely steep mountain blindfolded and each person in that group's i want to say there was maybe seven of us in the group holds on to you and you have to listen to their voice as they guide you down the mountain and uh, you literally have to put your entire life into their hands. I guess how you build rapport extremely quickly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're about to be with uh, these people that you've never met before for the next few months. But And were um, they all women? Was it co-ed? Was it men and women? So my group um, was the first co-ed group. And it was the first experimental co-ed group that we're Got trying it. out. Otherwise, all the other ones were broken into just males or females. Gotcha. And, um, and what was the age group on that? It was anywhere between 12 and 17. Wow. Wow. 12 is young. Uh, the average in my group was about like 15, 16. Um, they give you all the survival stuff that you need um sleeping you have no concept of time which i loved actually i you know it taught me how to listen to my body yeah uh when am i hungry when something hurts like not eat because you're told to eat at this time but eat because your body says to eat yeah wow um and then just reconnecting so after mouse phase you're coyote and coyote is where you're really in it learning it being it um you have responsibilities if you don't meet the responsibilities then you know there's consequences to them um there were times where you know i went on strike i was like i'm not hiking today it's not happening because you literally had to hike to water Uh um because they give you iodine tablets so the only way you had water was to hike to water and we had reached a place where it was all it was this mini waterfall so all the all of the earth was this beautiful mud that I could only picture on my body. So I was like, I want a spa day. We're not moving from here. And they're like, you're being extremely selfish. I said, actually, I think I'm adding value into everyone's life today by, you know, throwing out a spa day. So I learned really quick that I could take control of the situation because they can actually abandon you. But, you know, I didn't abuse that power. Um, they, there was also, you know, if you, we had to take turns making fire. And if, if it was your night to make fire or if you couldn't make fire with your, like we had a bow and like have to make it by hand, bow, a rock and a piece of wood. And if you don't make fire, then you don't get to eat hot food. You have to eat like your cold stuff, which wasn't that great. So it was about meeting your calorie intake more than anything. So an example would be like tortillas with taco seasoning would be a meal oh, or coffee wow. joes. It was not fun. <laughs> But, um, but I imagine like when it was your turn to make fire, you didn't want to let the group down. So you really absolutely. wasn't just so, about you where you, if it was just yourself, you'd be like, it's okay. I'll just do whatever. But you got the group depending on you. So it forces uh-huh. you to like so, step up for me. Yes. But there were other kids that were like, I don't give a shit about anybody else. Here. <laughs> so it really depended. It depended on the personality, what stage they were in yeah. emotionally in the group. Um, you know, one kid was sent there. I'll never forget. He was like, he was the youngest. I think he was 11. And even the counselors were like, what is, I don't, we, they didn't know how to help the kid because he was literally there because his parents didn't like that he was a break dancer, that he liked hip hop music. Oh, That's wow. why he His parents so should like, have been there. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there were situations like that. Or then there was, you know, a girl in our group who's suicidal and they give us all knives. Like, 
because when we, if, you know, if there's an encounter with an animal, you're going to need to learn how to save yourself. Right. So like, how do, you, how do they process that a girl who's suicidal? You give her a knife. Like that's insane to me, but I mean, I guess they knew what they were doing, but, um, yeah. So coyote phase was interesting. And then there's this, the team building part was, I think six weeks into the program, they bring in what's like a cart picture, like the Oregon trail, that cart where like oxen pull it. Yeah. Um, so that cart, but without the top, so all our stuff would be on it and two people would be in the front and everybody else would be in the back. And in the back, it's like, you're, you're the brakes. And I'll never forget. There was this one exercise we had to do. And it was literally to go down like a slate of granite at like 90 degrees. And I was like, well, this is where we die. This is where we're all going to die. Um, and the counselors are not allowed to help ever. And we have to work out through the group who's going to be in the front. So the two people in the front, you let go in the back, the two people in the front are instantly dead. There's like no way they would survive. And so that's a lot of burden and guilt to carry like in the back. And the people in the front, of course, are like, okay, we're going to literally take on everything and risk our lives now. Um, but we did it. And then, you know, it's interesting because you go through this fear doing it. And then at the end of it, you're like, holy shit, this achievement is insane. I can't believe we just did this together. Um, it's like a, it's like the whole roller coaster of emotions through yeah, everything. Wow. And really understanding the power of your mind. Like, I don't think what we did is humanly possible and it's nothing I've ever done. And then to actually do it is insane. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of one of the perks of it, right? Is like the, the resilience, like trusting yourself, like the rewiring, being with nature, being present, having to sure. care for someone more than yourself, like a little bit of humility. It's like a, a humbling experience. And I think like also empowering it empowering too. Yeah. There's a lot of perks to it. I think just the delivery of it is extreme. Not, yeah. The <laughs> delivery of it, it's extreme and they deliver it in a very negative way. Where if it was delivered in like a volunteer, like a a voluntarily like positive type of way, I think it would land more um, rather than like force, you know. But I mean, I've thought of that too. But who's willingly like, yes, let me go into the desert for two months? Yeah. No showers, no bathrooms, nothing. Especially as a teenager, like no way. As a teenager, you're like I no. <laughs> but did I enjoy my experience while I was there? Absolutely, I wow. loved it. Um, mm. Did it ground me? Yes. Um, it, I didn't leave there with um, quitting drugs, though, but I left there with all the core values that later on in life as I got older. Helped you out. In, and yeah, that, they're all in the subconscious sitting there for a time, like when I was ready. Gotcha. And um, what, Well, what happened after Coyote? Is that when coyote? you became the eagle? <laughs> no, then you're a buffalo. A oh, buffalo, so you're, got and this is interesting because, you know, I always thought to myself, I've always been a natural leader. And I thought, I was like, somewhere though, I had to learn how to be a leader. And later on, when I was looking back as an adult, like what the different phases were, Buffalo phase is where they actually train you how to be a leader and what a good leader is. Not like you're listening to me because I told you to do it. It's, it's really about meeting the person at where they're at and that really encompassing what empathy is and and working with someone rather than telling them what to do. And, um, you know, and I, I have that part of the program definitely to thank for the type of leader I am today. Um, and then after Buffalo is Eagle. And I never made it to Eagle, actually. And it's because Eagle also required, well, I, I started Eagle. I didn't finish Eagle. So they require you to, again, separate yourself from the group. And now you have to see how they function without you because you just went from being their leader and now they have to adjust with your departure and um, all the teachings that you put in and the value you added to the group. So when they, they took the, they are the counselors, took like the wrong turn and we ended up somewhere we weren't supposed to. We were miles away from water. It was over a hundred deg degrees. 
And, you know, when you don't know you're going to get lost, like you manage, we manage our water accordingly because you know how many miles you're going to walk and how long it'll take to get there. So you know how much to drink, but in taking a wrong turn, now you're kind of screwed. So one girl had finished all her water and I'm, so everyone's hiking in front of me and I'm about like 20 feet away, but I'm watching one of the girls and she's hallucinating at this point. And because um, we hadn't had water for hours and it was so hot and um, she was literally going to walk off the cliff. So I ran and grabbed her by her backpack and pulled her back. And um, so they called the paramedics and, you know, examined her, rehydrated her and everything. And then they pulled me aside and told me that um, my options were that I'm not going to graduate or I have to do the entire program over if I wanted to. We're breaking and the rule. Yeah. And I said, so I asked, what was I supposed to do? And they said, your, your job was to put yourself first, which was to observe the group function without you. So you were supposed to let her walk off the cliff. And I was like, no, <laughs> that's not happening. And I said, and with that information, I will be departuring and I don't care about graduating. Yeah, <laughs> from this wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think so, I could be that tough. I don't think I uh, could be that person trying to install those rules <laughs> crazy that was insane and you know i never the person that delivered that message to me was the one person i never thought would and she actually broke down and was like you not doing the program over and putting yourself first you're going to you're going to relapse and you're going to be do drugs all over again and like she was in, i was like wow way to not have any faith in my future thank you <laughs> yeah wow how strange so were it was the interesting were the counselors sober too? Like, were they certified they were counselors or were they just like sober people that like the mountains or in the desert? They were sober people that like the mountains. They were not qualified. They were not like Quali therapists. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. They people who knew how to hike. There were people who'd been through what we'd been through and they're trained to do and say specific things. They definitely had more empathy and you have more connection with them than you do the therapists. Um, oddly. Because they've been um, through it. They've been through it for sure. And yeah. so, yeah, when they sent the therapist out and I'm like, you're just giving me textbook BS. Like, I know I'm living it. Like, I know what you're telling me. I couldn't connect. Right. And, um, but with the counselors, I could, there was more empathy, but it wasn't, it wasn't a rehab. It was really a place to just remind you of the basics of right. who you are and what life is, you know, readjust your moral compass and your values, which, you know, I think after that program, the program is great, but the aftercare, right? So I didn't go to what they recommend, which is the ranch afterwards. And yeah. that's where you put a lot of the practices you learned in the wilderness into real life. Mm -hmm. I literally went from wilderness back to real life. Um, and it, within two weeks I was using again. Gotcha. And um, uh, I remember thinking about it for a little bit too like do i really want to why am i and i had no answers and well, especially just after the counselor or the the leader of that group told you you were sure. going to go use it was like do i want to make this person right right now like uh... yeah <laughs> and so i used and then you know by that time it was interesting like meth had the formula had changed a lot of it was being laced with heroin and my body had at that point gotten super addicted to it. Like I was fully out of control, 1000% um, out of control. It wasn't, I wasn't even using for what I had started. It was just a need and I couldn't see myself getting out of it. I didn't know what to do. Um, and then fast forward to like when I was 21 is when I quit. And I remember the night before, I should have totally died. I was driving higher than a kite and i ended up in um you're familiar with the evergreen area where evergreen college is no um it's very woodsy and so i ended up there and my brain it was so gone i don't one i don't even know how i got there driving and two like where my brain went i was like how did i end up in the amazon forest like i mean it was just <laughs> I was like, how did I get from my place to the Amazon so quick in a car? And it, it just like, I don't even know. I had lost full control of my mind that, and I didn't like it. And the next day I woke up and I flushed everything I had down the toilet. I mean, uh, it was a lot. And um, 
never looked back. I just had a conversation with myself and said, this is not who you are. It's like everything all at once, everything that I had learned about who I was and what my goals were in life from my experience at Utah had just like been downloaded. And I just never looked back. My focus became my education, continuous want for more knowledge and curiosity and my career. Um, all things that I knew that I could manage and control myself and not put into other people's hands. Um, and that's really what, what did it for me. Wow. Um, 17 years later, still clean. Um, 17 years. That's huge. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it is through, you know, I, a lot of, the stuff that I learned in Utah, right? Getting back into nature. I'm stressed out. Okay, could I use? I could totally use and I'll go away. Or do I go into nature and take a hike and really reflect about what it is that's bothering me and it'll pass, right? I've learned like all the feelings are temporary. Um, you know, I learned really what shame was in, in Utah too. Like they send you the, you could write letters back and forth to your parents um, but it wasn't until I think you got to the Buffalo phase where you could ha receive letters from other people that weren't your parents. Mm -hmm. And um, part of uh, moving into, I think from Coyote to Buffalo was um, you had to read the letter from your mom and dad, both separate letters in front of the entire group for the first time mm -hmm. without having ever to read it before while you were there. So wow. like all your shit on the table and every, and it's like, there's nothing, no one's there to judge because we're all there for the same things, but it's just like to, to read the words for the first time from your parents' perspective is one of the most, what felt like at the time, shameful thing. I was so ashamed mm -hmm. like to, and to actualize them in words was um, intense for someone who's a kid. Like you don't know how to, navigate shame you don't know how to navigate through guilt like none of that is taught and um you know i think going through something like that really set me up for the future which was you know our past is our past and it that's it everything in life has been a, a situational a situation of circumstance and it doesn't define who i am as a person I would imagine uh, that experience of, of having to be vulnerable, but also going through those emotions sober, like that's, that's probably it, a big part of it. And just being with those emotions and learning how to, like you said, navigate that without like instantly just wanting to numb it or get rid of it or avoid it. It's like, you're there, you have to deal with it. Yeah. Um, 1000%. Um, it was very intense and you know i think if i have to constantly remind myself in life like not everyone's been through the experiences i have been so like going through covid and people like watching people go through some of the toughest times of their lives i'm just like i have to remember they haven't gone through what i've gone through and you know it's and i could sit there and teach or help in any way like what helped me but it's it, it never works because they have to feel it and go through it themselves. And that was part of something I had to learn, like sit back and just allow them to go through the shit. Um, and hopefully they'll come out on the other end. Um, because to sit and watch people self-destruct is probably one of the most difficult things for me to watch. Yeah. Um, when you hard. know there's another way, it's super hard. And then especially it, uh, and I know because I was on the other end. Everyone tried to help me. I don't care um, until you get there on your own. But yeah. um, it kind of always goes right. back to that, right? Like we never change until we decide that we want to. And for the most yeah. part, nobody encouraging us to change really lands until we're willing to hear that we need to. It's like it's the most difficult part of the process, but. You never know, you know, sometimes uh, you get people closer to accepting they need to change and you never know what little part you play in that. And mm -hmm. it isn't always instant, you know, but then when yeah. you see the lights flick on, it's always worth it. Yes, agreed for sure. Um, but I look at a lot of the of where I'm at in my life today and I think I have a lot 
I owe a lot of gratitude to the wilderness program um, for uh, the teachings and the way that how it taught me to find balance within, you know, being there for yourself and you can be there for other people. It's not, you know, if you have it in you to be, to do both, you can. Um, but, um, you know, taking time to do yoga or taking time to meditate, taking time to, and by an example of what I can mean by that is our jobs, right? Nine to five, you have to go to work. And how do you, how do you go to the doctor? How do you go to therapy when their hours are also nine to five? It's you know, a lot of people I have friends who say they haven't been to the doctor, like gone to just to get a checkup, a routine checkup, blood work, whatever, see where they're at in their health in like 10 years. I'm like, why? That does, you're not putting yourself first at all. Some people it's easier to not know. Yeah. It's easier to not know anything's wrong mm-hmm. or it's just easier. Some sometimes it's a lot easier to do nothing. Sure. Or the generation that I grew up in is uh, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Don't fix it. Like you know, your body will tell you if something's wrong. You need to go. <laughs> sure, for sure. Which is kind of how I yeah. operate. It's like, oh, I'm I'm fine. Why do I got to go need a doctor to validate that? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and and things like the you know, two, three times a year of doing three day solos, you know, people will look at me and be like, what, how do you, a total extrovert even do something like that? Because it's something that regrounds me and brings me back. And it's what is going to help me reset. What is a solo? You would just go out in the wilderness by yourself for three days or yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. Okay. Um, And it's, one of the most beautiful things ever. And sometimes I might not be able to commit to the three days because life, but I will, you know, a lot of the hiking or adventuring I do into wilderness, I I try to do alone. So at least I'll get like, you know, nine or 10 hours in um, with my, nothing but my thoughts. And it's a different form of meditation. I love for, it's the concept of forest bathing. So it's, you know, reconnecting to earth, reconnecting to yourself. And um, just, you know, being comfortable with all the crap that's going to come out into it. And that's it. It's self-care. No one, I don't know why self-care is known as, you know, the spa day or, you know, spending more money on a vacation. It's mm-hmm. really not. I think it's, you know, self-care is also waking up and taking a shower and brushing your teeth and doing the things that are important. Yeah, well, I like what you said with that because it's like um, what you're talking about is way more like simplistic in nature, and it's 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 way more rooted in like who we are as as people, you know. And I like that idea because I feel like the modern life is too busy that we just the things that we get caught up in are so like beyond like uh like being a human, you know, like the the first world problems or you know, got to get my iPhone updated. Like none of it is like actually required to like being a human being. So always like checking back into like what really makes us human and simplifying it to, you know, people with addiction, we're constantly overthinking and moving and shaking and it's just fast, yeah. fast, fast. So I love the idea of just rerouting and it's the most simple way of doing it. And it's, you know, in in recovery, I always kind of hear like the simple things are what works, you know, like the more I can keep things simple, the better I'll feel, the better my life will be. And so I like sure. that you, you kind of pointed that out. It's so important. And, you know, it just helps you reset and stay grounded in what your morals and values are. And I think that's really um sorry hummingbird just like stopped at the window and stared i was like wow yeah you gotta you gotta give that presence when that happens always yeah i was actually gonna go into that um you know there was i had a situation at work and there was a hummingbird oddly that flew into the window and it collapsed and i was like oh my god and it was still alive and I had a meeting that I had with my boss and the other like 
leadership team in like 10 minutes. I literally got on my email and I sent my boss an email, sent a picture of the bird. I said, I'm going to the, going to the, um, is it the Humane Society where you go drop off the animals mm-hmm. for care? Yeah. And I was like, I'm going there. I'm sorry. I'll catch the notes later. And like, just knowing what your priorities are, like the meeting notes will be there later. The bird's life could be saved. I love that. Oh yeah. yeah. I would do that a thousand times uh, over. We're big <laughs> animal lovers. Yeah, I'd probably try to do CPR on it myself first. <laughs> and it's those things. And my boss was supportive of it, you know? And then if let's say I had a boss that wasn't supportive of it, do I want to work for a company that thinks the meeting's more important than another life? Like, yeah. you know, well, you know what um, else is cool too, is like the autonomy to make that decision and to trust yourself that that's more important. Like other people's opinion of what, you think you need to do doesn't matter and that's like a huge thing that probably stemmed in the the wilderness program but also in recovery you know like i think people leading up to addiction like we made the wrong choices for a long time so we didn't have much confidence in our decision making because usually right like what i learned in aa at the beginning my first thought is wrong right so i spent like a year of my life thinking that the first thing i ever thought was wrong or that just that my thinking is wrong and that I'm wrong and I'm broken. And it's, it's very nice and rewarding to know that like now we have this faith and this confidence and this autonomy to make decisions just like that, right? Simple, but beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like what I, what I think makes sense. And I honestly don't care too much what others think. Cause I have this big confidence in who I am. Yeah. And appreciating everyone for what what it is they offer, I think, is something that's not really part of societal norms either. Especially I, these days. I, yeah. We're not allowed to have differences. <laughs> no, we need to all be the same. Right. Yeah. Why <laughs> right. are we the same? Yeah. Yeah. And anybody that's not the same, we don't like you. We don't like your opinion and we don't want anything to do with you. <laughs> um for sure. That's like a whole nother story. Oh yeah. But, That's a whole nother podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> a series, but a series. Yeah. 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 So yeah. true. Which we've purposely avoided our entire tenure as podcasters. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's, uh, uh yeah. So, uh, you know, part of recovery was knowing exactly what it is that I like that works for me and aligning myself with it. And it's as small as where do, what kind of place do I enjoy working? Um, you know, I'm comfortable in a mid-sized setting. I'm comfortable with people who are, you know, supportive, non-competitive, um, you know, and it's really understanding that so that you can match yourself with company culture, missions. Um, Core values. And, yeah. And values, because that's what's going to make you happy to go to work every day yeah uh how many people i've talked to is like oh i love doing this but people sucked up the passion was it people that sucked up the passion or was it just like you know your visions weren't aligned you know don't give up on what you love because it didn't work out there but yeah, like don't let somebody else steal it for you if you loved it yeah. find it again don't don't chalk yeah. it up as a loss because some people suck, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> For sure. And like you said, just really knowing, being confident in knowing what it is you want and who you are, I think is a huge part of it. I think uh, one of the books I wish I got in high school, not later on in life, was um, What Color Is Your Parachute? And um not sure if you guys have read it, but yeah. it's... it's um, it's such a great book on how to, it's career development, but just it's a hands-on thing. And they yeah. have this thing, the flower exercise and the flower exercise encompasses everything from like um, location where you want to be, um, you know, people you work well with, personalities, not people, personalities you work well with, personalities you don't work well with. And it's all these things that help you figure out exactly where you should be not where society or your parents or someone yeah. else says no i love that awesome so you know i think a cool avenue to go down mm-hmm. would be you know you have 17 years of long-term recovery what does recovery look like for you today what's important to you today what do you 
what is like your recovery routine, you know, 17 years later, you know, I would imagine some people can't fathom having to be in recovery that long or having to put in the work, quote unquote, for that long. So what does it look like for you today in today's terms? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Uh, recovery today is um, ownership. So taking and taking responsibility, whether it be good or bad. <laughs> yeah, um, that's how responsibility works, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I messed up and it's okay. And I'll do better next time. Usually when I make a mistake, I'm never making it again. I learned from my mistake. And that's, you know, it's finding the lessons mm -hmm. in theirs. And um, that's part of it. And it was, for the longest time, it was being okay with that. And so I'm okay with it. And that's a huge part of the recovery for me. And then, you know, how do I get there? I get there through Qigong. Um, you know, really taking time out to, one, put myself into nature and doing the breath work there and taking in you know being aware of all my senses and mm -hmm. thoughts um i don't you know i've talked to a lot of people who say meditation is you know they can't meditate because the thoughts are there but that's kind of <laughs> the point, point right? of meditation. <laughs> the thoughts are supposed to come and you're not supposed to focus on them you're supposed to just let them pass mm -hmm. and let it's the process of letting go and you know i think letting go is part of my recovery too it's um you know it's such a strange thing to can, have to put into words sorry can you explain like, uh because i i have a lot of interest in this what exactly is qigong because we do meditation mindfulness nature sure. all that stuff it sounds like it sort of melds all those things together or what exactly is it sure it's a form of meditation that really focuses on i mean it's ultimately a tool for healing and prevention of illness so it's also it also acts as a massage for your organs picture tai chi it's that but at a much slower pace and um you know part of building patience with myself was doing something that was that slow and um creating harmony within myself so, so it's like body movement as well body movement extreme yeah very 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 like very slow paced so <laughs> like meditation in your mind you're like okay i'm still right i can do this i'm mentally prepared for this yoga you have some movement and tai chi i'd say it's movement and you have like a good flow and then qigong just takes it down a notch where you're just like i you know you fight yourself like trying to get through it when you first start it um so, so what does getting through it what do you mean by that like is it is it like a guided meditation is there an instructor is there a class is it like a personal like endeavor I, uh, when it first when you first start guided is always the best way to go because gotcha. someone's walking you through it to get you through um get you to the place of being calm i think yeah. once you reach higher levels of it you do it in silence gotcha. um and um you know, the best, you can do it in your room. You don't always have to be in nature. You can do it in your bedroom. You can do it outside, wherever you're comfortable, wherever you feel, you know, when you want to add it into your life. It's um, a lot of it focuses on the breathing. Yeah. And like, um, no, I was supposed to do this last, what was it last week? Because, but then I broke out into hives. And so I was like, how am I going to get rid of these hives? I had them for 10 days. Like, I don't even know what caused it. Wow. And so, you know, I learned that um, it, through Qigong, I learned that skin problems are directly related to your lungs. And so I had to do some more lung and respiratory exercises. And so there's very fixed uh, movements for different organs in the body. Oh, wow. Um, I do a lot focused on the liver because I don't have a gallbladder. Gotcha. So um, it's specific movements and breath works and it acts as like a massage sort of, so to speak. it is, it's a massage for the liver and it helps the blood flow and the oxygen get to where it needs to get. Wow. That's fascinating. Mm. Like self healing. Yeah. 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 I'm going to have to do some YouTubing yeah. tonight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to go do really a class just to try it out and see yeah. and see how it see how it feels. I mean, that's what happened with you. You stumbled on it, right? Yeah, it's, um, you know, a lot of the practices 
a lot of the underlining practices I learned during my time in the wilderness, um, the breath work, the different movements, um, sort of being with your thoughts and being okay with the thoughts. And then a couple of years ago, um, you know, and I've always added those into throughout my life. So when I went to London a couple of years ago, I took a yoga class and I was supposed to take a yoga class. Yoga got canceled and replaced with Qigong, which I had no idea what it was when it was labeled. I was like, what is Qigong? But okay, sure. I'm here. I'm going to take it. This is what the I'm universe wants. I'm already in London. Today. I'm here. Let's do it. This might be part of the process. Let's just go. So, you know, I went into it and um, I, re I remember leaving that class just extremely aware of my body and feeling really good about myself on all fronts, emotional, physical, just like I could really feel the benefits in a 45 minute session. Wow. And all, and the exercise, the only exercise really we did in that class was waking up your kidneys. <laughs> so that's like one exercise I won't, I'll do every morning when I wake up and it's just, you know, getting the blood to get to the organs that you need it. And, you know, I do a tapping exercise, which is extremely important and like a, a rubbing exercise. And I don't think we do that enough. I read an article recently that you know, for the longest time, the Chinese were actually keeping Qigong a secret. Like it was just their thing and it wasn't exposed to the world. And I think it's barely make, making it out here. So when I was in London, I took that class. The first thing I did when I got back here was I need to find a Qigong class somewhere. And there weren't any. And then I found the Taoist Center in Marin and um, the Shifu there does teach it. And he has... Uh, who I'm getting certified through and um, it's a process and the process is ego development and it's really removing ego from the self, which mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, something I've worked on towards, but never labeled. I love labeling things. So like, you know, I didn't really understand what guilt and shame were until it was labeled through like the dare to lead class. Mm -hmm. or I didn't understand yeah. really what development was until I took Qigong and was like, Oh, when like, you know, putting the name to the feeling for sure. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, and there were parts of the exercises and the um, the homework that I did through the Qigong certification where the chief would be like, this is still ego, go back and try again. I'm like, what is he talking? Like, it was very challenging. How do you step, you know, and it's, and that's how you really get to that oneness is separating yourself from the ego. And that was, you know, I like to think I don't really have that much ego and the line of work that I do, it really can't have ego. Like you just can't take things personally. And, um, so I thought I had, I had done that, but was nowhere near what I was trying to do. And, uh, I thought to myself, well, yeah, I'm doing a practice that monks do from like day one on the planet. Like, why am I, why do I think I'm going to achieve this? And just like this, I'm not, short amount of time ego <laughs> ego exactly i could do it exactly i know i thought that was funny that they they called it ego development but it's it's really like ego like regression undeveloped yeah we're like undeveloping <laughs> our ego yeah yeah it, it's just kind of funny it sounds like You're ego right. development like oh no like we don't need more of that no we <laughs> don't need more developed. Ego. Yeah. less ego for sure <laughs> yeah and um yeah it's it's um it's something i see in work settings too a lot like you know starting a new job people expect you to come in and like just take over and i said you know there's a difference in knowing you know showing up confident and being um with authority and then at the same time you know not showing up with i know everything and allow people to teach you what they already know and that's why they're there because they're the experts um, and, you know, depending on the work environment, like conscious leadership, I think is a new, new one. That's yeah, finally, I like that. finally coming into, into light, which is great. Um, but, um, yes, ego, I guess underdeveloping the ego, <laughs> that's right. undoing it. My and favorite, my favorite, uh, line is your ego is not your amigo. I love that. Yeah, I just I, I say that one all the time. I think it's funny because it's like childish, but it's also true. I heard that know? on a Peloton commercial this week. I was really? like, huh? They yeah. stole it from me, Ange. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Um. And so you know, in recovery, it was what really I mean, honestly, is building a routine, a routine yeah. that works. 
things I can't go my day without. So yoga, workout, um, qigong, eating healthy, eating the right foods that are in season. And you know, a lot of this is, it, it sucks because we have to teach ourselves all this stuff. There's no one out there that's really teaching you, you know, you should only eat foods that are in season. I don't know that until like maybe five years ago. <laughs> People don't know that foods have seasons because we have so yeah. much of them. Year round, especially yeah. here in California. My yeah. dude, we don't yeah. grow watermelon all year, okay? Watermelon no. isn't always <laughs> no. around. They're so sweet yeah. because it's a treat. It's a seasonal treat. <laughs> uh-huh. But then you go into the grocery store, you're like, it's on sale for a dollar. I have to get it. But it's like, that doesn't make sense. It's not grown now. It doesn't matter that it's on sale. It's actually probably not good for you. Right. right. Yeah, <laughs> Definitely exactly. GMO'd at this point. <laughs> or, you know, when I drive down the road through Gilroy, I'm like, 10 avocados for a dollar. Why? Yeah. <laughs> like, how? Yeah. Yeah, that's a deal. That's a steal. <laughs> I always see that one, too. And I'm like, 10 avocados? Well, here's the deal. If you stop there, they're this big. They're tiny. They're the size of a cherry. They're That's 90% pit, yes. those avocados. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and so building that small routine, you know, whether it's like waking up and the first thing I do is drinking a cold glass of water and then brushing my teeth, like just that alone, um, part of the, I think is helpful through recovery. Yeah. Uh, and because it gives you, you know, sense of purpose in the morning you've set your day up correctly um you know it just sets up the day for success in my opinion yeah yeah it's all about those healthy habits replacing those bad habits with healthy habits that that prolong us and our lives and our minds yeah Yeah. um but then you know there's always going to be bad days there's no such thing as every day is a good day and so through you know covid when COVID happened, there was a lot going on in my life. And people kept saying, telling me, like, how are you not falling apart? And I really had to think about it. And because I had built such a good system for my, my mind and yeah. my heart. Yes. And, um, and my spirit. And I want to leave the spirit out. And, uh, you know, I had lost my job right before COVID. And then I had my knee surgery, which was going to put me down like immobile, which yeah. is unhealthy for me. Like anyone who knows me, I just, I don't want to sit still. I want to go adventure. I want, I'm curious. That's my curiosity. It just takes me places. You know, there might be a new place where I want to do my Qigong practice and I don't get to go. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. is the, is the beach going to go anywhere? No, it'll still be there. But so sitting, I had to sit for four months. I lost my grandmother during COVID. And then there was a war in Armenia and I lost my kid cousin in the war. Like wow. it was just like back to back things were happening. And then I, you know, and then realizing what those feelings were here, I am in bed. I can't do anything to help the homeland. I can't do anything to help my family in Armenia. I can't do anything to really help myself in the routine that I had built, which was hiking going to the beach, swimming, seeing friends, eating out. Um, so what am I left with again? All the teachings I had learned in my three day, um, on, on my three day solos. And so I really had to go back into, you know, what do I like to do? Um, think and process and knowing that this to adapt this is a temporary situation it's not forever and it's appreciating it for what it was like you know grateful that i get to go back it gratefulness is a practice that literally gets me through everything that is trial and turbulent and um grateful that i get to go back to my parents house so that i can recover through knee surgery there and you know them in their old age still helping me get the right nutrition I need and you know even as small as that's fantastic I have a television and I get to watch Netflix like I have really no room to complain there's other people you know not minimizing my troubles but at the same time appreciating and being grateful for what I do have um it's a balance oh yeah no yeah I love that I think um what comes up for like me and all of that is like people in recovery have to learn how to deal with their emotions like that's like what it is. So you, myself, Angie, we're, we have years of dealing with how we feel. 
and coming up with coping skills and strategies and tools and techniques. And we do it on the low because we have so many feelings. We're just always dealing with them, you know, Uh, but to, to outside of the recovery community or people that haven't had to look as deep as some of us may have, it seems outlandish or difficult or crazy, but to us, all we do is just diagnose our feelings and fix them or look at them or process or heal. So nothing mm-hmm. really changes besides the situations that bring up the feelings. And I kind of yeah. feel now like for me, I have seven years sober, right? So I look at from the beginning till now, I, I realistically just have this tool belt of dealing with emotions. And so the situations will always change, but the emotions are always the same. And I just apply those tools to these emotions and mm-hmm. apply a little bit of time and it always works so mm-hmm. far, so far it's always worked. Yeah. But that's yeah. kind of what I was hearing you say, you know, it's like, what do I have that works? I'll apply it to these new situations, to these similar feelings and voila, here we are yep. smiling today. Well, and I think the biggest thing is, is and, and like you mentioned with COVID over and over, it's being able to pivot. You know, life is never going to be exactly what you thought it was going to be. And the day's not going to go exactly how it was planned. And, you know, we could have the best intentions and have it completely derailed. And so how do we pivot and make the best of that situation and uh, move on and, and continue to do well, regardless of whatever's happening either in the world or in our world is making the best of it and not being thrown by whatever it is thousand percent for sure yep the other day um we're we're kind of winding down here but i was just gonna say something cool i heard i don't know if anyone listens to joe rogan and maybe it's taboo to uh shout out another podcast on our podcast (laughs) but uh hey what's up joe rogan if you're listening which (laughs) he's he's probably not but he was on the he was on an episode with dr anna limke we've talked about her a couple times but joe asked her like Uh, I forget what the question was, but essentially he asked, like, who are, like, the strongest people that you know? Like, who are the people you look up to the most? And she said people in recovery. Mm. People that were addicts and are not anymore. Wow. Because of kind of the things we were just talking about. Like, the the work that we do on ourselves produces this version of a person that is, like, stellar or extraordinary. It's, like it's such a polished version of us, you know, because we had to, you know, um, yeah, we had to. Yeah. You have to break it all down. Like breaking yourself down is the ugliest thing ever. It's, there's nothing. I mean, it ends up being something beautiful. It's like the catapult on the butterfly, yeah. right? You do be butterfly, but it's, you have to go through it. And there was, you know, there's something I read recently, the struggle of, the process from the caterpillar to the butterfly when they try to get out of the cocoon um you know a little girl tried to help the butterfly get out of the cocoon but what she didn't know was by helping her the butterfly now could not fly its wings were not fully developed yeah and now i thought to myself this is exactly what what it is to go through it as a human as well like mm-hmm. You have to be, you have to just go through it. It's, you will come out on the other end. It's just having that, you know, courage and strength to face yourself. Yeah. And nobody can do it for you. Nobody can do it. Yeah. You got to spend you know, time I, in the cocoon. I wish I could do it for somebody, but I can't. And that's always been my struggle. Like, I know, I know how to help you. But, but we'll damage their wings. Right. So we yeah. got to teach damage them how the to help themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. That's being a good leader is teaching them how to help themselves to go through that process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I I know we got to go. But one last thing I want to leave with. And it's also uh, and I've said this before, it's just layers of an onion. It's not like something you did and now you're fixed and you're better. It's something that continues to come up and you have to continue doing the work and you have to continue growing, expanding, going deeper. It's a lifelong journey. It's not just like, oh, I did it. I'm better on with life. Like it's you got to keep keep working through all those day. layers yep yeah. every day awesome. wow well Aline, this has been awesome i yeah. really appreciate your Great story conversation we've Thank never you. tapped in or <laughs> dived in too deeply to like the wilderness treatment therapy stuff so that yeah. was that was uh, that was badass thank you for that that yeah. was awesome yeah 
I, can, I like want to do that as an adult. Like I want to find a place where I can go do that as an adult. Maybe not three months, but <laughs> maybe not being kidnapped in the middle of the night. But, you know, there's certain things about it that sound like I, I could see the benefit for sure. Yeah, wonderful. And the Qigong, yeah. Qigong, too. Yes, yeah. I definitely want to look into that. So I'll be reaching out to you on that. Sure, for sure. Yeah, we got some to-dos. Well, thank you so much for your time, Aline. This has been awesome. Thank you. Yeah, this is great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. All right, guys, that's our show for today. We hope you found some value from listening. And if you did, please share with someone you know or love. You can find us on social media. We are at Elevate Addiction Services. And if you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, please call our toll-free confidential 24-hour helpline at 833-33-SOBER or visit our website at elevaterehab.org.